Connecting with loved ones is easier when vacation mishaps are off your mind and in trusted hands. With plan benefits designed to protect your investments in case something unexpected happens before or during your trip, you can travel with confidence. Protect your trip with Allianz Travel Insurance. For more details, visit AAA.com slash travel insurance. When I was a kid, cemeteries were places you went to be spooked. Gated gardens of perfectly manicured lawns, dotted with bright white headstones against the dark blanket of night. Places your friends dared you to enter, alone, at midnight. But cemeteries weren't always considered to be such terrifying places. In fact, they used to be destinations. And these destinations are making a comeback. My guest today is an expert in this sometimes spooky, but hauntingly beautiful travel pastime. Lauren Rhodes is a San Francisco-based author, editor, and lecturer on cemetery history. She wrote Wish You Were Here, Adventures in Cemetery Travel, and 199 Cemeteries to See Before You Die. She's also just finished a new book, Death's Garden Revisited. It's a collection of essays about why people visit cemeteries. After this episode, I'm willing to bet you'll be one of them. So let's start this journey to the underworld, shall we? Lauren Rhodes, thank you so much for being here with us. I have been looking forward to this chat. So I have to know, how did you end up an expert in cemetery travel? Completely by accident. We were traveling to uh, Barcelona in 91. It was as the Gulf War was starting, and so... We kept missing flights and things kept being delayed and they kept rerouting us. We ended up going to London where we had no plans to be. We didn't have guidebooks or any sort of itinerary. And I happened to stumble on this book in Victoria Station's bookshop that were these cemetery photos that were just beautiful, gothic, overgrown, crumbling monuments and the whole thing. It was a January day. We slept out to this cemetery and it was. It was amazing. All these angels and statuary and famous people. And we had the place completely to ourselves. And I thought, this is, this is cool. The second half of our trip was to Paris. And a friend had already told us, you should go to Père Lachaise and see Jim Morrison's grave. And so that was amazing. Père Lachaise is huge. It was full of autumn leaves. And again, we had it more or less to ourselves because it was January and really cold. But I got hooked. You know, I started looking for angels. That was, that was the first focus. I guess I haven't stopped since then. So for people who love to travel, all of our listeners, but have never really thought of adding a cemetery to their must-see list, what reasons would you give people to start including them on their itineraries? Well, let me start by saying they may have already been to a cemetery or a gravesite and not realized because they're pretty much everywhere. You know, if you go to Yosemite, there's a cemetery in the heart of the valley. But the reason to add them, I would think, is it's a different perspective. When you go to a graveyard, you see what the culture values, what's important. Is it family or religious connections or the history of the area? For me, I, I get overwhelmed fairly easily, so it's really super nice to go someplace quiet and listen to the bird song and, you know, enjoy the trees and the flowers and blue sky and all of that. So there are just so many reasons people go for 
bird watching or because they want to see the gardening or a lot of the bigger cemeteries are one of a kind art galleries that are free. You can walk right up to the sculpture and you can walk three dimensions all the way around it. And I think the first one is the scary one. And after you've gone to the first one, you get the bug really quickly. Cemeteries have been lumped into the category of dark tourism. So can you tell us a little bit about dark tourism? And do you think cemeteries belong in that category? Well, dark tourism is defined as visiting sites of suffering or death. And I think of that as battlegrounds or concentration camps or something like that. Chernobyl, maybe, is dark tourism. And I personally don't think of cemeteries that way because it's when I visit them, they're not about death for me. It's more about memory and history. And I think a case could be made that some cemeteries have a dark enough history that it would fall under dark tourism. If anybody does feel a bit iffy about the idea of cemetery tourism, I wanted to share a story I read about Père Lachaise, which we talked about in Paris. Lee Abamonte was on our recent Paris Olympics episode, and he told us a little bit about visiting. It's actually the most visited cemetery in the world, which I didn't know, and that's thanks to Napoleon. In the early 1800s, the more popular cemeteries in Paris were getting overcrowded, and that made the spread of disease a concern. So Napoleon hired an architect to design a new cemetery in the area, and it was outside of the city limits at the time. Now you can get there very easily, but... The problem was that Parisians didn't want to walk such a distance for funeral processions. So he wanted to make it beautiful and encourage people to actually want to be buried out there and go to funerals out there. So he had the bodies of famous people like the playwright Moliere and poet Jean de La Fontaine relocated there to create more appeal. And it worked, obviously, because so many people have been there. It's one of the top things to see in Paris. So the moral of the story, if Napoleon was promoting cemetery tourism in the 1800s, then I think it's safe to say we have full permission to enjoy these outdoorsy spaces now. We think of visiting cemeteries as kind of a new thing. Some people have rediscovered it, but it's not. You know, if you think about Canterbury Tales, the pilgrims are traveling to Canterbury to see the grave of Thomas Beckett. It's in the first paragraph. So people have been visiting cemeteries for millennia. It's not at all a new thing. And if it's good enough for Canterbury Tales, it's good enough for us. It's actually a historic thing that people do. And it's only kind of a recent development that people are iffy about it. And I wonder if that has anything to do with Hollywood and the way that cemeteries are portrayed in movies and, and such. That's It's like the scary, creepy place instead of the artistic, historic outdoorsy, park-like atmosphere? The cemeteries have changed over the years. It used to be that people would picnic. They'd go and visit family graves and they'd have a picnic and they'd include the dead in their celebration and enjoyment. Or um, when Mount Auburn was founded in Boston, people would spend the day and just go out and read the headstones. And it was considered edifying. It was good for you. People would court in cemeteries and it changed over the years. And so rules came in where people weren't allowed to picnic and, and you weren't really encouraged to come and hang out in some cemeteries. And I think it's changing back the other way because people will take care of what they love. And if they're invited into the cemetery, then they're going to fall in love with it. So it's come full circle, maybe. 
how are cemetery visits different around the world? Day of the Dead in Mexico, people gather with the spirits of their loved ones in the cemetery and it's a celebration versus a sad moment that they do once a year. They're different everywhere, every place you go. Mexico is not the only place that has a Day of the Dead celebration. A lot of Northern Europe celebrates November 1st in the cemetery with lighting candles on the graves, leaving candles burning overnight. The Chinese have Qingming. All around the world, people include their dead in different ways into their families, and they're not considered cut off. And I think maybe in America, where we move around so much, we don't have that connection as much as we used to. But I think we're seeing it come back, especially now with genealogy, where people are discovering their connections and and you see the huge big web of, of people that you're related to. It's kind of a new fashion in gravestones, but women have been putting family recipes on their stones. And I love that. I love that, that you can go and grandma's cookie recipe is on the back of her stone and talk about a way to like connect the family together. Well, that's incredible because a hundred years from now, you can go see great grandma's grave and then make her same cookies or her same fudge. I want recipes on my tombstone. I'm not much of a cook, but you know, mine's like cookie dough, put it in the oven. (laughs) That's Angie's special recipe, passing it down for generations. There's something about standing at the grave in front of the headstone of somebody that you're related to that gives you a sense of like the continuity of life. I've gotten into genealogy recently and I did the whole 23andMe and holy cow, I had no idea how spread out my genealogy was. Just to think of these relatives who are buried in a random cemetery in Corning, New York. I didn't even know I had relatives from there. Wouldn't have had the first clue. And now that I know that, I definitely would love to go see that and say, hey, great, great, great grandma, thanks for coming here and starting me down this path and all the rest of your generations. It's just, it's wild to look back and think what people went through to come here. What an amazing place to be able to connect like that. My family, they started in England, they ended up in Texas, they ended up in Michigan after that, you know, back and forth. And travel was difficult. And you're like, how did you do all of that? I can barely drive across the bay. <laughs> what about the Hollywood Forever Cemetery in L.A.? I, I heard that they host events there. It was originally the cemetery that all the silent film stars were buried in. It backs onto the Paramount lot. Tyrone Power and Cecil B. DeMille, all these names that you would recognize are buried in the cemetery. And in the 80s, it fell into disrepair. People were digging up their loved ones and moving them to other graveyards. It was in really rough shape. And then it was bought and the name was changed to Hollywood Forever. At first, it was kind of scandalous that people would take this historic cemetery and make it touristy. But it's, it's turned into this amazing place where they show movies on the mausoleum wall and they do concerts and art installations. And it's become really popular now and well cared for. They give you a map when you come in and you can visit all these famous people. My favorite event they do is they do a huge Day of the Dead and there are bands playing and it's 
huge and welcoming and really poignant. Another interesting example I came across was the Central Cemetery of Vienna, and they are using the space for concerts. There's a running track around the perimeter. They have bike rentals, painting classes, a museum, cafe, gift shop. Do you think that we should experience cemeteries more like public green spaces, particularly in cities where there's less space, or do you think they should be quiet places to reflect? I think there's space for both. Their original and most important purpose is to serve mourners as a way to connect with the the dead and remember the dead. And I think that should continue to be the primary purpose. But I think there's also room to bring people in and uh, tie them better into the community. The Congressional Cemetery in Washington, D.C. has a huge group of dog walkers who walk through the cemetery and have been really instrumental in fundraising and helping to protect the cemetery. They're one of a number of cemeteries that host spirit runs or or ghost runs as fundraisers so that they can trim trees and keep their roads up and all of that. I think that's a great idea. And now the AAA Travel Minute presented by Allianz. Safer travel starts with travel protection. Hurricanes, wildfires, pandemics, unpredictable events like these can make planning travel challenging. Fortunately, when unforeseen problems arise, travel insurance can help. Travel insurance can reimburse lost prepaid expenses, so you can cancel your trip at the last minute, reschedule it for a different time, or even choose a different destination. For trips affected by natural disasters, many travel insurance plans allow travelers to cancel or interrupt their trip. In addition to covering unexpected trip cancellations, travel insurance also provides coverage for other unforeseen events, such as travel delays or medical emergencies. This is particularly important because U.S.-based healthcare coverage is often not accepted internationally. Be sure to discuss travel insurance options with your travel advisor. Protecting your trip with insurance will give you peace of mind so you can enjoy your trip to the fullest. This was a AAA Travel Minute presented by Allianz. Safer travel starts with travel protection. What are some interesting aspects of cemeteries that we don't necessarily associate with them? Maybe things that get overshadowed by the function of a cemetery. number of cemeteries, especially on the East Coast, have birdwatching groups. Greenwood Cemetery in Brooklyn has a huge birdwatching group because it's on the flyway, right, as, as the birds are migrating back and forth. One of the loveliest cemeteries I have seen, Swan Point in Providence, they have these enormous specimen trees. So it's, it's a world-class arboretum. One of the hillsides has, it's like a sea of daffodils in the springtime. My husband and I went to Arlington National Cemetery a couple years ago in the fall We were searching out a specific grave, but holy cow, it was stunning. And it was just amazing to be outside on a beautiful day with the leaves falling all around and also the weight of that number of graves and what all those people did truly to get me to where I am today. There's a lot of power there. And I don't know, I think the nature helps a lot. With Arlington, you see the... Memorial Day ceremony at the Tomb of the Unknown Soldier. It's enclosed and and you don't get a sense of the scope of how big that cemetery is. It's huge. And so many important monuments there. The Kennedy Gravesite 
is gorgeous and the monument to the challenger astronauts and every time i go there they added something else so there's a it's one of those places that welcomes you back multiple times do you think that a cemetery is defined specifically as an intentional burial place or would you put places like pompeii or chernobyl in this category i consider a cemetery any place people are buried i was at sagrada familia a couple of years ago in Barcelona, and Gaudi is buried there. That seems fitting and perfect. I had to think about Chernobyl because I, most of the people that lived there were able to escape. 30 to 50 people actually died in Chernobyl as a result of the accident. So I don't know if I consider that a, a burial ground or not, but I, I do think about Ground Zero in New York those people were lost. Those bodies were never recovered. And so I, I consider it a graveyard, even though there may or may not be people buried there now. My definition is wide. What are your top three unmissable cemeteries? I would say Gettysburg is powerful for the same reason that Arlington is. To see all the stones with unknown dead the African burial ground in New York City. It was a cemetery from the Dutch era outside of Wall Street. And the British used it to bury American soldiers during the revolution and all this history. And then it was lost. It was treated as a dump. It was paved over, buildings built on it. And it was only rediscovered by accident when they were building federal buildings. So it's now a it's under the National Park Service, but it's this beautiful, tiny space where they've reburied thousands of bodies and created this memorial to the Africans that built New York, whose history we don't often think about. Lakeview in Seattle. The, the other two are heavy. This one is beautiful. Lakeview is on a, a hill and you can see water on three sides in the, the heart of Seattle. And up at the crest, Bruce Lee is buried. It's just one of the most beautiful, peaceful spots. I think it's perfect. And he has a really beautiful monument. And his son, Brandon, is buried right beside him. Can you tell us about your most impactful cemetery visit? I'm sure there's tons because you've been to many. But is there one that comes to mind that just really shook you? One of the favorite cemeteries I've been to is San Michele in Isola, which is the cemetery island outside of Venice. It's where the Venetians bury their dead. And it's not a very big island, but the fact that it's this whole island and there is nothing there but graveyards, it's an amazing place. And the artwork is exquisite, so beautiful. The cemetery was all surrounded by water. It was kind of shocking how bright and lively it was. It was very quiet and you could sort of hear the water all around you. In the corner, there's a Russian Orthodox graveyard. Sergei Dialyev, the Russian empresario who brought Belarus to the West, is buried there. And people leave their toe shoes on his tombstone. You stumbled on it by accident, but I just was so touched by that because I used to dance when I was in high school. And ballet has been a huge influence on my life. And here's this guy that made ballet cool. That was something for me to see. That's such a, a sweet way to pay tribute 
to someone, a historic figure that you admire. Are there other similar gravestones in the world where people drop things off to pay tribute? I'm in California and just south of the city is a Jewish graveyard where Wyatt Earp is buried. And people will bring bottles of whiskey or bullets or coins or something like that to drop them off on his headstone. They call it grave goods, the things that people leave behind. When I was in Highgate the last time, we visited Douglas Adams' grave. He's the author of Hitchhiker's Guide to the Universe. And there was a coffee can that people were leaving pens in. I don't know exactly what the significance of leaving a pen for this author is, but I hadn't seen that on other authors' graves. What is the most unusual cemetery you've been to and what made it unique? The Arizona Memorial in Pearl Harbor. I didn't know that it was a cemetery before I got there. There's a little tape that runs on the ferry as they take you out to the monument. And they talk about people were trapped on the boat when it sank. You know, it sank so suddenly that they couldn't get out. They could hear them tapping, people who were trapped tapping, and they couldn't get to them. And some of the bodies were never recovered. But in addition to that, people who served on those ships could have their ashes brought and interred on the boat. And so it's become a cemetery. There was a woman in the next window over from me stripping flowers from a lay and throwing them in the water. It was so touching and such a simple gesture, but so beautiful. It's common to leave flowers on graves, but to see somebody leaving flowers on the water was, I can barely articulate it. It was really cool. I've been there myself and I, I feel exactly the same way. That's a really powerful spot. People get on the boat and they're, they're tourists and they're chatting and, and not taking it seriously. And then you get out there and the reality of it hits you and just everybody steps off the boat and is silent and behaves. And it's amazing to see just that transition. For visiting cemeteries, we talk about them being used as public spaces, but how do we stay respectful while also using them as, as public spaces? I think the key is to just be respectful of, of other people, especially mourners. You know, they, they have to be primary. So give them space, leave them alone. Don't take photographs of people who are mourning. Don't take things. Don't touch things. You know, if somebody's left grave goods, if they've left uh, something for the dead, leave it there. Don't touch it. Don't move it. If you find a stone that's broken, let the grounds crew know. It's like going into a church. Lauren Rhodes, thank you for joining us. And thank you, our listeners, for being with us. If you're planning a trip, be sure to connect with a AAA travel advisor. Check out AAA.com forward slash travel or visit your local branch. And if you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe. I'm Angie Orth. Thank you for traveling with AAA.